this is Kate A. Cook-A-Daisy and y'all, life has been busy. Life has been really busy in the Daisy household. I feel like I haven't done a monologue in a while, so I might squeeze in the monologue one of these days. But today I have a special treat that I want us to get to. Um, life has been really busy for us. Uh, it's finals week in my house. And so I am busy taking school classes and finals and papers and projects. And so it's been very busy. And by the way, just so you know, I want you all to remember that we will be launching the chiefjoyactivator.com on that website. We will be launching our systems of life workshop, which is going to be in January. So be on the lookout for that. And also, like I said the last time, I am so excited about my product, my first product, which is our 2023 business meets life planner. And if you know me, you better get this when it comes out because it will set you straight. <laughs> But I don't want to hold you up too much just because today's guest is very, very special. Every single guest that has been on the show has been special to me because they have impacted my life in a major way. And today's guest is no different. So let me officially welcome everybody. Hi, sister. This is Kate Ekokadezi, and it is great to have you listening. What I aim to do with this podcast and the wider ministry is to help you heal and transform your heart and mind as you choose to live free in Christ every day. I believe that healing is our choice. And once we embrace that process, we can truly heal others as we are healed. So I say healed people, heal people. If you're, not, if you're new to the podcast, I want to say welcome and I want to give a big shout out to this friend of mine, Naomi Afrisa Taylor. We went to high school together back in Ghana and I was surprised when she followed our page and I'm sure she's listening right now. So Naomi, thank you, girl. Thank you, sister. Thank you so much for supporting me. Welcome to our dear sister community. You can find all about me and the organization. I am Free Woman Ministries at ChiefJoyActivator.com and I am FreeWoman.org. All right. So. A bit of things that I want to talk about today on the podcast has to do with uh, what Tanya is going to share with us. And this podcast is for you and me to navigate the world of healing the heart and mind by integrating faith and well-being tools to activate your spiritual, emotional, mental, and physical well-being and the bonus financial well-being. So today's episode, I am so happy because it is all about your financial well-being and I can't wait for you to hear it. I bring the parts of me that are healed and the parts that are still healing, along with important friends like Tanya that I invited to the show to share with us compelling stories of freedom. Walking the rich and beautiful life of faith plus being your authentic godly self can sometimes be so tricky. Choose to Live Free podcast is my way of making faith work plus healing plus everything in between about life and living it relatable and joy-filled. <laughs> so listen. This lady, this friend, this sister of mine, the first time I met Tanya Brown, I was captivated by her confident spirit. Then she started talking about money and my ears perked up even more. Who doesn't want to hear about money, right? <laughs> I've never met a sister who talks about money like that. And to do it in a godly way that brings honor to the one who put her speak, you wouldn't know that she was a former atheist whose journey with God has only become stronger and sweeter over the years. This podcast episode is about our financial well-being. So dear sister, I want you to listen because Tanya also shares her journey, her personal journey of freedom as well. A bit about Tanya, her full bio is in the show notes. So make sure that you take a, a read to learn more about who she is. But Tanya Brown is an army veteran and is a certified financial planner and is currently the director of financial coaching. So for 20 years, she taught thousands of at multiple fortune 
500 companies, how to achieve financial security and build wealth. And today she gets to share her wealth of knowledge with us. Tanya is living out other passions such as fostering teens, volunteering, serving at her church, and also continuing her never ending quest to find the best chocolate. <laughs> so are you ready to hear some joyful stewardship as well as uh, some joyful chaos? Cause I am right. Here are your three thoughts from this conversation. You need to understand that God can do so much more with your 90%. So don't shy away from tithing. No matter the obstacles you have experienced or currently experiencing, believe that the better is ahead. And lastly, know that courage is you throwing up and doing it again. Whatever it is, go for it. So fail often, fail fast, and fail scared. Okay? All right, so let's go ahead and he go ahead and hear the conversation with Tanya. And I pray you remain blessed. And remember, choose to be free, choose to stay free, and choose to live free. All right, I love you. All right, all right, all right. Hi, Tanya. How are you? I am good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Hey, everyone. I have today with me Tanya Brown, and y'all. I am going to tell y'all how we met, but first. I want Tanya to introduce herself so that y'all can hear her, dear sisters. So Tanya, can you introduce yourself to our dear sister community? Sure. Okay. My name is Tanya Brown. Um, I am from Brooklyn, New York. For those of you that are great with languages, do not get confused by the Southern accent. I've been living in Georgia for 20 years. Uh, I am a veteran of the U.S. Army. Favorite assignment, not even joking. I actually taught cadets how to survive a grenade assault course. So legitimately, when I say I can blow stuff up, I am not joking. <laughs> uh, I have 20 years experience in personal finance, a certified financial planner, currently holding the role as a director of financial coaching for an organization. Uh, my passion seems to have grown over the decades for helping people achieve financial security, build wealth, but most importantly, steward God's resources for kingdom impact. I am a mother in many fantastic ways. I am a mother by marriage. I am a mother biologically. I am a mother through adoption and foster care with a focus on teen girls. We met at uh, our women's small group. She's a part of our women's small group. And as we talked, I was like, Tanya, you had a wealth of knowledge about finance. You need to come on the podcast and share this wealth of knowledge with our dear sister community and the women because as everybody knows, for those who listen, we talk about those five well-being areas, our mental well-being, our emotional well-being, our spiritual well-being, our financial well-being, and our physical well-being. So today's topic is really going to be centered around our financial well-being as we go into the holidays and the new year. You are going to learn some things from Tanya. I want you to go ahead and take some notes if you can, because, and you know what? I just caught myself. Sometimes instead of saying Tanya, I say Tanya. <laughs> How do you pronounce your name, Tanya? Tanya, but the way it's spelled, it's, I respond to all translations. <laughs> so, so it's Tanya, y'all, Tanya. Okay. So she's going to share some information around um, financial stewardship, and I am excited about that. Uh, but before we really dive in, you know what I'm going to do, y'all, right? I'm going to have Tanya talk about what she refers to when she's talking about the business of life, which she calls joyful chaos. 
So share with our sisters what you mean by joyful chaos, Tanya. So um, I kind of take joyful chaos from the word joy uh, and joy Kay Warren, Rick Warren's wife, had this amazing definition that um, joy is a subtle assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life, the quiet confidence that things will be okay, and the determined choice to praise God in all situations. So joy is one of my four core values, and I summarize that to uh, rest in God's sovereignty. So the joy, the, the joyfulness is that just no matter what is around me, it is rest in God's sovereignty. It's not in circumstance. Mm -hmm. And the chaos is I very consciously chose a life with elements outside of my control. For anyone that is a foster parent, there is so much I'm not in control of. I am not in control of the children that come into my home, the timing of them coming their situations, the courts, their parents, there are all these other outside influences. But I, when I chose to partner with God to take this path, I accepted that this path. So that's why I call it joyful chaos. In the midst of the craziest moments, there's a rest for me in God's sovereignty because I'm walking down the path with him. Yes, with him. You mentioned, you know, something about when you chose to partner with God, right? Mm -hmm. And I want you to share, I know a bit about your story, but I want you to share with our audience um, how you came to this partnership. And this has to do with, you know, your breaking free moment. So I want you to start even before the breaking free moment. Who was Tanya? What was Tanya doing before this breaking free situation started happening with you and how you came to be a partner with God? Oh, I was a hot mess. Um, <laughs> I just, oh, oh, I say there is uh, Tanya before 2000 and Tanya after 2000. And those are two very, very different human beings. So, um, you know, for me, uh, I would say the, the breaking moment. So I mentioned before that I was in the military. Um, unfortunately, I was a victim of rape. And if you read the statistics in the military, I wish I could say I was an anomaly. I believe one in three women experience a sexual assault in the military and one out of 50 men. Wow. So for anyone who's experienced a sexual assault, the best way I can describe it for anyone who's never experienced it, it is like you are standing in a large room full of people naked, mm -hmm. completely exposed. Yeah. Every part of who you think you are has just been trampled on. Your sense of safety, your sense of control about your body, your sense of identity. And, and for me, it was a date rape situation. So even questioning, like, was this really right? Because I did agree to the date. Maybe like you start to question everything about yourself. And then when I told someone in the military, so... To age myself, I joined the military almost 30 years ago. It was a different military. So basically, I was told if I went ahead and reported, it could destroy my career and I would have a mark on my record. And during that time, there was a woman who I knew had reported what happened. And I watched the hell they put her through. And I was like, I'm not going through that. Mm -hmm. So it was extraordinarily discouraged. And I find when that happens... 
you have these broken fragments of who you are and you put them back together in different ways. I was not a Christian. Mm -hmm. So I pieced everything back together as a human being and try to find my identity in different things. And some of them are celebrated in this culture. I've tried to find my identity in achievement and ambition. Um, again, celebrated in a culture, but not healthy, because if I didn't do this well, then I was worthless. So for me, it was this undercurrent of I'm not worthy. So I was going to achieve my way into worthiness. Mm. I'm going to get approval through worthiness, which is not healthy. And then on the other end, I also switched to a season of promiscuity, which was just not healthy. I, I told someone once, I was that girl you talked about, like the person who got the prayer request, like, Lord, can you just help my friend right now? She's just going through stuff. I know there are some prayer warriors out there who are praying for me because I was a mess. And I didn't realize how broken I was. And in that time frame, because I wasn't healed from that, the lack of healing almost became a cancer. And I noticed it started to infiltrate. I found myself in cycles of poor choices. I found myself in cycles of poor relationships, but I didn't see how being unhealed was causing all of that. And that was um, that that was the season of just where I just felt completely broken as a human being. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, oh gosh, yeah, so many ways to go with just that. <laughs> um, you know, I don't know if you know fully my story about, um, you know, series of sexual assault um, from my childhood through college. So when you mentioned that, you know, my heart dropped because it's kind of, yeah. Um, and when we were talking before, I said my 20s was my year of awareness about mm -hmm. relationships and people. Yep. That's when, you know, you start to really have to look deep and start to look at some things about life and, you know, people that you trust that, you know, now when you look back, you're like, no, that was not the best for me. And like you, I also had a season of promiscuity in college where I was like, I'm just going to pay back every man. You got it. <laughs> Got it. I was, I was going to be the person in control. I was yes. going to be the one to just Ooh. dump on site. And in my, and I think it was my way of feeling that I was in control, yeah. but every encounter I felt more empty. Yep. Nothing filled that void. And at the time I wasn't Christian. So I didn't know it, it, I needed Jesus to mm -hmm. fill that. I wasn't there yet. Mm -hmm. So when did Jesus come in? When, uh, when did he, uh, make um, a, a grand entrance? <laughs> he, I, I felt like he was in hot pursuit. So, <laughs> um, at some point I got to a place where I just wanted the pain and I was very seriously considering suicide. And I remember I, I was still in the military and I was, and I just told myself I was going to go out. I was an athlete. So I was going to go out for a run and just come back and take some pills and end it. And I will swear to this day, I felt a presence on that run that I cannot explain. And all I felt was this incredible love. And I didn't know what it was because just to be honest, the Christians I had encountered were not very kind. The God that I had been told of was a judgmental and mean God. So this 
presence and this love I felt, I was like, it couldn't have been Christ. So I just automatically assumed it wasn't, but it was such a strong presence. I knew there was a God. So from there, I spent a number of years trying to pursue this God and I became a Baha'i. I don't know if any of you are familiar with the Baha'i faith, but it's a belief that all religions matter, all religions go together. It's um, And I think the appeal of this wasn't the judge in my mind, the, the judgmental people I had been around, I think was the appeal. So during this time frame, September 11th happened and I and I'm from New York City. So all of a sudden that what would have happened if that would have been me started to pop up and I really started to question. There was a series of events that was going on around this time I had gone back to college. I was in my last semester to this day. I swear I had signed up for all of my classes, but a class mysteriously fell off and Western religion was the only class that was available and I was cursing mad. I, I was like, I did not like Christians. I didn't, and it was taught by a pastor. And I was like, how did this happen? No one can explain. To me, it was Jesus. Entered the class. He was, I feel like I'm gonna start tearing up. He was the first Christian that walked the walk. There was something different about him. Just from the very beginning, we had every faith in that class and they argued like cats and dogs. The way he handled himself, I just became fascinated because I had not seen anything like this. Mm-hmm. And he just had this aura of just love around him in a way I've never seen before. So, and he, and, and it was just, and I didn't realize, I now realize he was ministering to me, but at the time I didn't, but it would just slowly start with talks because I'd be like, how did you handle yourself? So he just slowly started talking to me and he was, in, and um, as part of the class, you had to go to church. So we went to, so I went to church angrily and in the church, they were teaching the book of Romans. And I believe someone said the book of Romans have led more people to Christ and it made yes. me change. And it, and it really did. It was the first time I had ever heard that maybe there's a purpose to my pain that God loves me unconditionally, that all the horrible stuff I did, and I did some not so great stuff in that season of pain after the rape, maybe God can forgive me and all the stuff I did. And, and it was the, and in just talking to him, it was just the first time I heard it's okay if you're not perfect. Well, if any of you are familiar with the Baha'i faith, you have to read texts from different faiths. So not only would I have to read the Baha'i text, I would have to read the Torah, the Quran, and different texts. So I have this backdrop of this pastor that's showing unbelievable love. I have going through the book of Romans and reading through the text. And keep in mind, I am not Christian at this time, but the Bible had a, I don't know how to say it, a silently screaming truth to it that no other text I read had. It was the only place where I was accepted without works. And I mean, anything I read, and it was fascinating. Here's the interesting part. At this time, I did not know there were three other people also going to church. We all left the Baha'i faith within the same time and got baptized. And we didn't even know. So God was not only talking to me, he was talking to other people. At this time, I was also in the reserves and two of the people in there had given their lives to Christ. And I watched their transformation. And it was like, 
literally I was watching people become anew. So wow. you had the pastor, you had my friends, you had the Bible study, and it came to a head where I just felt God telling me to go to church. And I, so I went to one of my friends. I'm like, this just sounds stupid, but I'm supposed to go to church. But I had a late night meeting um, with the military and she's like, I got you covered go to church. So go in there, army fatigues and everything. And that was the night I gave my life to Christ. And in hearing that I could come as I am, that for everything that I did, that guilt, I felt like it was my fault with the rape, the, the, the really horrible life decisions I made afterwards. When he said, God wants you as you are messy. It was the first time I ever heard that. That was the point where the very seed of healing began. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, wow. It is, it is incredible. It is incredible just hearing all the, you know, details that you have when it comes to that journey of meeting Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I like how you said that, you know, he was in hot pursuit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, even before, um, you knew about the Baha'i faith. Um, did you have any inkling about Jesus when you were growing up? When you, Did you know about the Christian faith at all? Or this was just something that you happened to be around people who are Christians and eventually you knew that he was calling you? That is actually a two-part answer because ironically, I went to a Lutheran school Mm. and um, I heard about Jesus, but I didn't know Jesus. Mm. So he, to me, was this mythical creature who expected perfection. He's not the Jesus I know now. Mm -hmm. So I knew of some of a book that said there was someone that was the son of God, but to it, to be honest, it felt as real to me as a Disney tale. Mm -hmm. I never felt connected. It never felt real. It never felt personable or relatable and no one ever bridged that connection to me. So again, I knew that there was someone who was Jesus, but not on the depth and level that I, and the intimacy of the relationship I developed with him as an adult. Yeah. Yeah. So how does, how does finance come into the picture? Is that what you did? Like your major in school? Uh, No, it's so funny. So, um, and and just one thing I forgot to mention was between all of that, I was like hardcore atheist for a while. Like I got to the point where God just didn't exist. It went from that to where I was thinking about suicide, I could feel the presence and I just knew there was a God to realize and it, all along it was Jesus. So at the time I was coming to Christ, I was trying to figure out what to do with my life. I wanted to serve and I wanted to serve a need. And one of the needs I saw was personal finance. I realized how much personal finance impacted someone's ability to where they lived, where they worked, all of those things. So right as I was getting baptized, 
all of this was going on. So I always say from the very beginning of my career, Jesus was in it. So I have never considered my career separate from my faith. And right after I got baptized at the time of this, like 20 something years ago, it's still around Crown Financial. I immediately turned around and took Crown Financial because I was a brand lean. I had just gotten baptized. I was a newly minted Christian. And I was like, I just felt this call to to just go into stewardship, but I thought, okay, well, if I'm going to do this, I kind of need to know what God has to say about it. So I think I got like baptized and two weeks later, I was sitting in a crown financial ministries class. And then after I got crown, I knew this was for me. Like Mm. when I made the connection that this is God's resource that he has given to us for kingdom impact. Mm -hmm. And it's much deeper than just spending money. There's a spiritual implication because there's a sense of who owns this, who does this belong to? Mm -hmm. There is how God wants to partner with us in the resources for his kingdom. I, Mm -hmm. I I feel very lucky. I got all of that immediately. Mm -hmm. Like that was a pretty quick, um, that connection was there. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was, again, from the beginning, it was uh, teaching people how to steward God's resources. And it was a funny story behind it. I was trying to figure out how to blend this together. And I don't know if you've ever heard of Mark Miller. He's like the executive HR for Chick-fil-A. Yes. Yes. Around this time, his first book had just come out. So we're talking over 20 years ago. He is not who he is today. And he was trying to help people decide what to do with their lives. Um, You know me. So, you know, I am not shy about asking anyone for anything. He's like, hey, if you need help trying to figure out what to do with your life, let me know. I was like, hey, can you just help me? And he was like, sure. So he made an appointment for me, went to Chick-fil-A. And when we went back and forth, he said, you're so passionate about finances that your thing is to teach people how to steward um, financial resources. There you go. All of this was at the beginning and I feel so lucky. So it is, but it's more than just to me, it's it's stewardship of everything. It is stewardship of um, our time, our talent, our treasure. How do we use everything God gave us for kingdom impact Mm -hmm. and the kind of the oil underneath that to make all of that work is finances. So it is interrelated. Mm -hmm. And I like how you even started um, this section by talking about, you know, without Jesus, how Jesus and your career or your passion just came together Mm -hmm. at the same time that you were also partnering with him on a spiritual level, you know, kind of like he opened this side of you. It's like, hey, this is the gift that you have. It's kind of like he gave you the gift immediately. You know how sometimes you come into a relationship with God and you're like, okay, now God, what are my gifts? What am I supposed to do? And for some of us, it took us like years to figure out what the gift in is and how to use those gifts. It sounds like you got your gift like right there. Like, here you go, run with it. <laughs> yeah, it was immediate. And I thought he had made a mistake. So um, because I thought... I am. Um, I grew up poor. I grew up on public expense, on public, mm-hmm. um, on public assistance. So we grew up mm-hmm. on welfare. Mm-hmm. The only thing I ever heard about money was how we didn't have any. Mm-hmm. So, and, and then in the military, 
my first encounter with finances, I had joined the military. I was lonely. I was 3,000 miles away from home. I engaged in retail therapy, ran up all the credit cards, got the credit card bills. Keep in mind, I was really young. I thought paying them was optional. They did not. Um, when you're in the military, non-payments go to your commander. So I am a brand new soldier having to stand before my poor commander, now that I'm on the older end, having to explain why I didn't pay my bills. Mm -hmm. So as part of my punishment, I had to write how I was going to create a plan to pay off mm -hmm. my debts. Mm -hmm. And he made me put money into savings. Mm -hmm. So a year later, my grandmother had died. And that savings allowed for me and myself and my mom to go to her funeral. It was the first time I ever connected that these string of actions can have a meaningful impact on people I care about. So there was that seed there, but then mm -hmm. somehow that mixed with coming to Christ kind of together got me to this place where I wanted to serve people and help people just steward, use finances as a tool uh, to focus on the people and causes that God has specifically called them to. Yes, I like what you're saying. So let's go into this breaking through moment with finances where you you finally have got into this space of your relationship with Jesus and you're starting to you know pursue this passion of yours and helping people with personal finance. I want you to share with us what this breaking through felt like for you or how it happened and connect that to some of the concepts of stewardship that you to this day still share with women and families and your clients around having that. So first of all, maybe explain even what personal finance is, because some people are kind of like personal finance, personal finance, you know, let's break down those terms a little bit. Sure. So personal finances, it is the umbrella of everything you do to manage the money that comes into your life. It is everything from how you plan your spending, how you plan your savings, how you plan for, for instance, estate planning, which is simply just the documents and thoughts you have in place for what will happen if you're no longer around to insurance. So everything that deals with money that's personal finance. So the other part, so I started off my um, Christian journey beautifully. <laughs> I had found financial. I had just started with the financial service industry. I was doing great. And then we just made a wrong turn. I started to think that the success, like the success, I was just, God just really put his hand on me. And I had hit quite a bit of success that went completely to my head because I thought it was all me. And I felt like God was like, you want to do this on your own? Fine. Mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I had, um, I think I'd mentioned in the last meeting, I was doing, I again, God just laid his hand on me for the first few years. And it was amazing. I had found favor. I had found, I was doing really well. And then I got to this juncture where I knew God was asking me to move on, but where he was asking me to go to was scary. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I, it was an area I wasn't familiar with. It would have meant a drop in income. Um, and then this bright, shiny object career came flashing around and threw a ton of money at me and it sound great. And I thought, well, surely this is God. Mm -hmm. And I, I knew God was telling me not to do it. I, I, I knew in my heart of hearts, but I thought, but somehow I Christianized the money, the bonus money they threw and said, well, I can use this to serve God. So obviously, despite the fact, I don't know if I, I think I told, I was telling all of you about this on Saturday about how someone had warned me not to go. I didn't think this was in my Bible study. Mm, wow. And I totally ignored them um, because I would have been managing um, portfolios of financial executives, portfolios of real estate executives. And at the time, real estate and banking never goes wrong. But the year, the month I was doing this was April of 2008. So if any of you are familiar with April of 2008, that was right before the financial industry collapsed. Yes. Took it. Um, my income within a week dropped to nine. I dropped I, when I checked my numbers after I spoke to you guys, it dropped 90%. Wow. And I found out I was pregnant. So at this time, during this time, got married. So life was awesome for the first few months. I was living the life. I was like, God bless me with this money, even though I knew in my heart it was the wrong decision. Income was great. I was just married. Life was awesome. And then when everything hit the fan, like within a week of that, that's when I found out I was pregnant, my daughter. And, and we had, oh, Lord have mercy. And we went through with purchasing a house we really couldn't afford. Mm -hmm. um, but I just thought things would get better. I thought, well, God would bless me. And I, um, mm -hmm. and God did the greatest favor he could. And he totally did not. <laughs> um, I look back on there, like it was the butt whooping I needed. It was like, God took his hand. It was like everything that could possibly go wrong. Did. And it was wow. what I, wow. it, because I didn't realize as I was giving my life to Christ and going through all of this, I had never let go of that ambition or that approval. Yes. Yes. And there is nothing like losing your financial shirt mm -hmm. <laughs> to put you in a place of humility mm -hmm. and it puts you in a place of really in control. Mm -hmm. so, because, you know, because as you're talking, I'm like, he had to have done that because he knew what was coming yeah. would be greater and he needed a way to humble you, you know? And so him not blessing you when you had that thought of, oh, God is going to bless me anyway. And I always say that it's kind of like when we say, uh, you know, all things work together for those who are called are going to, you know, like when we quote that Bible verse in the wrong spaces and Got in it. the wrong context. In this way, God still made everything work together. But first there had to be conviction with it. First there had to be correction that came with it, right? And sometimes in order for him to make all things work together, we got to go through a little bit of discipline. Yeah, we did. And <laughs> I, it was, it was painful. Um, my income dropped by 90%. My husband's job, his income dropped. I found out I was pregnant. We got a home based on what our old income was and the industry itself was in shambles. So it was, 
I had to learn to lean on God for everything. I had to learn that my sense of who I am isn't in how much revenue I brought in, isn't in my job title. It wasn't God. And and I remember I was talking to someone and she was just an amazing prayer warrior. And I asked her, like, how did you get this way? She's like, when God's all you have left, you learn to pray. And God was all we had left. I we were by the grace of God, we managed to sell the house before we lost it. Like I, if we would not have been. And that even how that came together. But we got to a point where I remember just being on my hands and knees and crying and saying, OK, this is all yours. I don't care what happens. We're going to lose everything we have. We were over six figures in debt. Our marriage was in shambles. And I just said, you know, from this point forward, we do this together. Like, I don't care if you're telling me to go to a motel. I don't care whatever you say. And it just caused these chain of events that I can only say was God. Like, it was a miracle at that time when homes were impossible to sell. Like, we, so we had to go through all of these processes to even get the home for sale. And Everything happened so quickly. Even the realtor was like, I have never seen anything like this. It was almost like God was like, okay, I think you learned your lesson this time. (laughs) Let me come save my baby. (laughs) And this time I actually committed to doing everything I learned in Crown. So I took Crown the first time and I think I, um, and I think I had, um, decided like I, I call my thirties flexitarian Christianity. Like if you're familiar with flexitarian, how like I love flexitarians because they're like, yeah, um, I'm vegetarian until I decide I'm not. I'm not, and I'll eat chicken. <laughs> I was a flexitarian Christian. I would obey Christians. I would obey these Christian principles until I figured this side was better. Yes, and yes, that yes. took me from flexitarian Christianity to true discipleship. So I would say mm. that leap I had made, and I still was fairly new in Christian faith mm-hmm. that, you know, I tried it my way. And it's interesting because in that season, we were broke. We had not really been tithing. And I said, okay, everything, like I was like, you, everything goes to you. I had become a faithful tither when we had nothing. Mm-hmm. We had to an apartment. Mm-hmm. We had committed to just following it. Like there's 2000 verses in the Bible about God, about, about money. It is one of the most talked about subjects of the love. I think 16 out of the parable, out of all the parables of Jesus was about money. Mm-hmm. Obviously he had a lot to say about this. Mm-hmm. And I, we had committed that we're going to follow what God has to say about money. And I didn't, at the time I knew it and I knew it intellectually, but this time now I knew it in my spirit mm-hmm. that it wasn't the money. It was the obedience and the faithfulness that comes with it. So it's not tithing the dollars. It's trusting that God can do more with your 90% than you can do on your own with your 100 mm-hmm. It was having faith that no matter what the journey he was taking you on and how nonsensical it looks that on the other side is the path he's laid out for you and trusting without knowing the next steps giving when he said give didn't matter. We just did. We, so it was to me, it was the character transformation he needed in us for what we would have to what would happen on the other end. 
So what I'm hearing you say is, you know, the, the, the concepts of being a good steward is not really, it doesn't even start with learn how to manage your money. No. There are things that you need to know before you even get to that step, like obedience. Yeah. You know, it's like trust in God. Go ahead. You share It's that. all obedience. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's it's all a bit. I, I think I had told you the tale of the two houses. It's like the, I love telling that story to people because obedience means sometimes the financial rules are going to look different. So I, I mentioned this in this, these two stories of um, these two couples who wanted to buy. They both want to buy homes. By every financial standard, their finances were fantastic on both ends. They both made comparable amounts of money. The houses they wanted to buy were both within their ranges. But to me, it doesn't really matter because if it's not part of God's plan, then it's wrong financially. Mm-hmm. So for one couple, they actually wanted a home that was maybe a tad outside their budget mm-hmm. because what they what they envisioned was their home being a place for ministry, being a place for gatherings, being a place um, to house ministers. Mm-hmm. So they had prayed on it. And I said, if you pray on it, just trust God for the next steps. And it was insane how everything worked out, but they managed to get a home for that fit right into their budget that was actually initially over the numbers worked itself out. Mm-hmm. Well, then we have couple number two. And I mean, and it wasn't a tap. I mean, it still was within their range. It wasn't crazy, but it was right for them. Mm-hmm. Um, the other couple, they actually got a house significantly less because God's path. They both wanted to get into one, one to be a teacher, one, one to get into ministry. And this was about, a huge drop in income. Mm-hmm. So I mentioned, if you get a house based on your income right now, you're not going to be able to go down a path God wants you to go in your future. So they bought a house based on where they knew God was taking them, which was that house was significantly smaller, significantly less. So the lesson from that is you've got to go beyond math and beyond money management to make sure your financial choice aligns with the path that God has for you. Oh, and it is something that we all need to hear and repeat to ourselves over and over again. What other concepts besides obedience and trusting God do you think needs to happen? You need to have, even before you get to the actual tactical, like day-to-day like work that you have to do to ensure your finances are uh, in a good place. A spirit of contentment. Mm. Um, it's being content in whatever circumstances you find yourself in. Um, and then, okay, so before Beyonce spilled it for me, I used to call, when I first read Romans, I used to call it my lemonade book um, <laughs> the Bible. <laughs> because to me, when I remember when I read it, it was to me, it was how God turned the most bitter lemons into the most beautiful tasting lemonade. But now I can't call it my lemonade for me. <laughs> call it my lemonade book of the Bible. Um, so having that spirit of contentment is just knowing that God will use your circumstance for his good, for his glory and accepting where you are. That means you can discern the things around you through the correct lens. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause I have seen people, cause to me, the danger is you will start to discern stuff through our culture. Yes. 
So our culture is ambition. Our culture is hustle. Mm. Our culture is who has the highest bank account wins. That is not God. I always say like kind of God's math and God's path is different. Like even the world will tell you one plus one equals two. God will make one plus one equals 50. Yes. So if you trust him, trust the path you're on, he will, I have I've had it in my own life. I have seen it in others. He will multiply, mm-hmm. but you have to have that spirit of contentment or you will hear the wrong message in the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, it's, and the reason why, in case someone's listening, if you do not do the prior work of first, just making that commitment that everything belongs to God, that everything you do, like your time, talent, and treasure, the ultimate purpose of that is kingdom impact, then whatever financial guidance you get will be looked at through the wrong lens. Mm -hmm. And it will ultimately take you down this path where you will wake up and wonder, how did my life get here? Mm -hmm. So people wonder that, well, I made the right decision. I'm like the right decision without the context and the foundation of where God's trying to put you is the wrong decision. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So he has to come, he has to be foundational and the lens through which you view every single financial tip or hack. If you don't do that, you just have the hack itself. It's going to get viewed through the wrong lens. And that's where I see a lot of people going wrong with their finances. (laughs) If you don't do that and you just have the hack, y'all need to rewind and go back to that part, okay? So, you know, as we're going into the holidays and we are talking about the breaking through and helping people breathe again, breathing again and helping people understand um, finances when it comes to the holidays and the new year. What are some tips that you have for our women uh, when it comes to this area as they try to breathe again through the holidays and in in the new year. Okay. So I was telling you, I actually did a workshop for CVS on this very topic and it was um, holiday spending. So one of the things I said regarding the holidays is to think outside of the gifting box and to see holiday season budget Mm -hmm. as opposed to just the holidays. And really the holidays start in October because when you think about it, I call it the trifecta of holiday Mm -hmm. budget busting holidays, which is really Halloween, Mm -hmm. um, Thanksgiving and Christmas. Mm -hmm. So realizing it's a season Mm -hmm. and start thinking, well, one, what are the seasons where I spend money? So if we start with Halloween, it is, and I, if we start with Halloween, it's, um, Halloween parties. So it's thinking through activities and events. What are all the holiday activities and events? And those can get pricey. Yes. Uh, And and if you have children, it can get even pricier. (laughs) So you start to think of holiday costumes, holiday and it's amazing how many people buy costumes for Thanksgiving and Christmas. At first, I didn't even look. I only thought costumes applied to Halloween. I was wrong. I did not realize people will buy, and I will throw in as costumes, the cute pajamas, the special Christmas shirts, the Thanksgiving shirts, like all mm-hmm. of the things. Those are, that's expensive. expensive. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. So all those things, all the fun activities, if you like doing hay rides in October, if you like doing a special turkey play or a Christmas activity, all of those that cost money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People do not factor in school, kids, school breaks. If you're going, if you pay for after school care to full-time daycare, that costs money. Mm-hmm. Also, the kids' activities is the next category because you got to buy Halloween candy, especially school age, um, Halloween candy for the kids. If there's an event, there's probably tickets involved. Um, buying clothes, and because they outgrow clothes so much, oh probably buying new clothes. I mean, I remember one time I thought I was smart and I got an outfit early for my oldest and she out, she actually skipped an entire size. She skipped a shoe size and a clothing size and the younger one was too young for it. So I couldn't do anything with it. So clothing, when you think about if they're in a school musical, they have to get the same shirt, the same pants. But as you can tell, as I'm doing this, this is all dollars. Yes. I tell people, if you find there's this black hole that your finances are falling through, most people do not account for that. If you're hosting holiday dinners, holiday pictures. So it's really starting to listen. If you're not sure nowadays you have an online account, you can look at October through December, 2021 and begin to look at your spending. Even though I know we were still a little bit in the COVID season, but we were kind of out of it last year. So you can see what you spend money on and use that to create the budget for this year. Um, I would also say For families, write down a list of people you want to give gifts for. And if the list is longer than your finances, then it's starting to look for creative ways. Um, Free certificates for babysitting um, for children and for fur mommies and daddies. So if you're a fur mommy and daddy, a pet sitting is is, is as helpful as it is for babysitting. Um, one family, I thought this is genius. They did a no spend holiday challenge. Can they come up with no spend ways? If you are a baker or a craft person, that is a free gift. If you have children, they are precious. I call them weapons of mass cuteness. So it's just putting their pictures in a cute picture frame. I think COVID and a distance from families have kind of renewed how precious pictures are to people. Just simply putting that into a picture frame. Um, and I have to have like a public service warning about Black Friday. Okay, I'm like, guys, it's so seductive. I mean, mm-hmm. now they have it, they have soft lights in the commercial. You can see like the sales like on clouds. And they're telling you, just come on in. We'll make your life easy. No, they're trying to take your money. You have when you have a budget, you gotta stay strong. And a sale is not a reason to bust your budget. Mm-hmm. So having that budget. Having that list, putting an estimate for each person on that list. If they're, if, again, if your list is longer um, than your budget, then coming up with free ways to um, free, like regifting arts and crafts, gift certificates, baking, but just finding creative free ways to give. Um, I I also have warned people that supply chain is real. So Mm -hmm. supply chain, um, for those of you that are not familiar, hypothetically, if you had a wooden toy you wanted to give your kid, the process for that toy to go from a tree in the forest to wrapped 
underneath your tr- Christmas tree, that is supply chain. Yes. The people involved from cutting down that tree, the transportation to haul that tree to a factory, the people involved in cutting that tree down to wood to make it into a toy, the shippers to ship that those toys to wherever the retail space is, mm-hmm. the people to stock it, all of that is supply chain. We have shortages in labor, shortages in transportation. There are delays. So buy early, um, send gifts to family early because there's also huge shortages in and uh, in, in mailing services from mm-hmm. FedEx to UPS to the U.S. Postal Service. So expect gifts are going to take longer to reach their destinations. Yeah, yeah. Those are some great tips. And personally for me, what you said, and I love is the creative one about, you know, if you're a baker and all that. So immediately I'm like, oh, I can gift you know, this special peanut recipe I have, peanut chips, I can actually make those and gift those to families, you know. So using what you have and also what you mentioned about when you make that list, if the list is longer than your finances, (laughs) you have some editing or some auditing to do (laughs) on that list. And I love what you said about those creative ways, like babysitting certificates. I wouldn't have thought about that, you know, babysitting certificates or, you know, dog sitting certificates. So those are some of the creative ways in which y'all, we can really make it through the holidays and not bust our budgets. And come January, we are like, oh, broke. <laughs> I call it holiday spending hangover. That's that. <laughs> nausea. It's not from alcohol. So nausea isn't from alcohol. It's from your upcoming credit card statement, your bank <laughs> statement. And I remember when I used to have a Chase credit card, I don't have that anymore. I remember they were used to say that you can skip a payment, mm-hmm. you know, like, and you can skip a payment usually around the holiday season, just so you don't, and then you can start making your payments in February or something like that. But in in essence, you're really not skipping a payment. You're you skipping never, the payment, but you're not skipping the payment. <laughs> never skip the interest. So if you look you at the so... What I always tell people if they're tempted to use their credit cards. So when you think of the interest on a credit cards, if you have ever had a desire to take a bucket list vacation, pay for your kids college education, dream of taking your kids to Disney, every time you spend your card, you are funding that credit card company's employees dreams mm-hmm. because the interest that you are paying is sending their kids to college, their kids to Disney they are getting bonuses. Mm -hmm. So you're funding dreams. It's just not your own. Yep. I like that. Did y'all hear that? You're funding their dreams. So remember that. Oh, well, we could go on and on, but I just want us to kind of come to a close on something that I really believe every young woman needs to know and hear. When I talk to my fellow sisters like you, Tanya, I get a wealth of knowledge every time I walk away. And I know there are young women out there who are looking and needing to hear some wisdom. And so I want you to share at least one golden nugget for a young woman out there on something that you would have told your younger self that now you value so much. Throw up and do it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, um, that is 
To me, I define courage as throwing up and doing it anyway. And really the throwing up part I find is failure. So I mentioned to you, I now tell my younger friends, you know, fail often, fail fast and fail scared. Like the greatest gift you can give yourself is to get comfortable with failure. Um, It's going to happen. So I'm like, it is impossible for you to do everything perfectly the first time. Mm -hmm. So things are not going to go correctly, but you can do hard things. Mm -hmm. You will be okay. There are other things in your life that did not go well and you're still standing. Mm -hmm. So if this thing doesn't go well, you're not going to disappear. It's not going to feel good, but you Mm -hmm. haven't felt good about other stuff before. Mm -hmm. You'll be okay. So just, Trusting that you have everything it takes to recover mm-hmm. and just fail fast. Just do it. <laughs> just, just do it and do it often. Take those risks. But it's um, it's all about just taking the risk and courage. Because I'll hear a lot of people say, you're so courageous. And I'm like, girl, you do not know how many times I've either thrown up or nearly thrown up in the process. But I will do it. Anyway, you are ministering to me. And the first time you said that, I wrote it. I wrote it on my card and I won't forget it because as I am starting to do these things that God is asking me to do, you can, I would, I mean, there have been so many countless times where like the idea or the fear of failure has hanged over my head. And I've been like, oh my gosh, you know, everything should go perfectly well. But I've gotten to a place where it's kind of like you said, you're going to have to, it's going to happen. So you might as well just embrace it and do it anyway. And you learn a lesson from it and then you keep going. So I have taken that and I am running with it. Fail fast, fail often and feel scared. And I do have grow one up more. and do it anyway. Go ahead. Yeah. I, I do have one more. Like if I, I was so, and I think this definitely came um, from just past experience. I, my sense of self was in people thinking highly of me, of mm. people thinking well of me. So if I'm just totally transparent, part of that fear was, well, what if someone thinks I'm stupid? Well, they probably are. Um, <laughs> what if someone thinks I'm incompetent? They probably oh, are. Yeah. But here is what I've learned. People oftentimes mask insecurity as criticism. So the things that they're scared of and they don't do, that's often to critique. So a lot of times when I've learned to realize what I'm hearing from them is, I think I'm stupid. Mm. I think I'm incompetent. Mm -hmm. I can't do this. So why would I think you can? Mm -hmm. So I learned very quickly to reframe that. And I also learned to be very careful who I invited to the party of my dreams. Yes. Yes, Yes. 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 A ticket. Yes. So be very discerning in who you choose to invite and find battle buddies. I'm ex-military. I want to me, if you're going to tell me what you think about my decisions, I want you as bloodied in the battle to walking down God's path as I am. And I want to look at you and we look at each other, give ourselves a thumbs up. Sometimes we hold each other and cry, but we will continue down that path together. So those I are the things that, that younger. I love that. And, you know, it is incredible that you get to share this with so many people in your career. And I'm sure even um, the people that you meet, sometimes you can't help, but I like what you said, 
um, occupational hazard. I just have to say this, y'all. Yeah. She says this all the time in small group. I just have to say this occupational hazard. I love it. Um, so lastly, let me ask you this. I always have to check in with my guests and with my friends when it comes to their heart. So how is your heart these days? You have been able to break free and break through when you're breathing again. And your story is incredible and in how you're able to help other people manage their personal finance. How is your heart these days when it comes to um, your well-being regarding mental, physical, financial, emotional, and spiritual? How are you doing? It's so interesting because I'm almost 50 and I've never felt more alive <laughs> and happier and excited. Like I had thought you just fell off this cliff somehow when you turned 40 and at 50, I feel like everything. <laughs> Everything is new again. So, but the thing is, I've learned contentment. So my heart is full that I am exactly where God needs for me to be. Yes. Like it may not look perfect, it may look like a hot mess to people on the outside, but that's okay. I am where he needs for me to be in this season of my life. And in terms of spirituality, I think having the years behind me. I, I feel like I can more clearly see all those spaces he was in that I didn't think he was in. And there's this, I think it's a country song, thank God for unanswered prayers. I'm in that season, um, <laughs> recognizing that if I would have gotten the things I thought I deserved earlier, I would have distorted those things. And those yeah. things, and it became my idols. Yeah. So getting those allow God to work on my character for when mm -hmm. he did give them to me, I was able to give him the blessing and the honor and the glory. If I'm blunt, I wouldn't have done that before. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just, just so seeing the blessing in um, the, the work that God was doing, some of it was painful. So um, seeing so spiritually on this journey where now I'm like, I have no idea what the next week's going to be like, but I'm really okay with that. I just, yeah. now I just take the next step. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and then financially, it is astounding to me that we went from the debt that we had in my late thirties to where we are now in our fifties. Mm -hmm. I tell people you can absolutely start from behind and get further than you would have on your own. Mm -hmm but I had to turn everything over to God mm -hmm. and not saying that tithing is the reason why you do that. But it was almost like when I faithfully just started giving, it was like, God just kind of put his hands on our lives and did things that even now, if I had not personally lived through it, I would have said was absolutely impossible. Impossible. Yeah. yeah. And physically, you said physically, right? Physically. Yeah. So physically. I plan on doing a marathon next year. I hadn't done one. Yes. In 20, so I feel like, okay, I'm saying it on your podcast. It's been 25 years since I've done the, the last one. So I had said I really wanted to do one next year. So um, that at a uh, much slower, <laughs> lots of walking, much slower. So even that getting over that, I have to be where I was at 25. That's not happening. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Shame, person behind me. That's the goal. That's the goal. Yeah. But I am, I'm, I'm happy. Like I'm really yeah. I am. I'm really happy, and I feel like I'm. I'm. Um, I feel very comfortable in my own skin. It's. It's. There I told you. Go. 
have been phenomenal. Michael. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to a phenomenal 40s, okay? Phenomenal 40s coming started next year. I'm looking forward to that. Tanya, this has been amazing and I can't wait for, you know, what is in store for you. How can people find you if they are listening? It's like, hmm, she sounds interesting. When can I find her? Where can they find um, you? You can find me at uh, tanyapbrown.com. And on there, there is a contact form. Um, unfortunately, in my business, I am at capacity with the waiting list. So I, 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 at this point, I'm not even taking on new people because it's been insanely busy. But if you fill out the contact form, happy to see what I can do to help. So any last minute words for our listeners? Um. Be kind to yourself. Give yourself grace. Wherever you are, you're exactly where God needs you to be. And that's okay. Yes. Yes. On that note, Tanya, thank you so much, girl. I love you. And I love the fact that you get to do life with myself and with a lot of women in victory. And I can't wait for everything that people are able to do after they listen to your message. So thank you. Oh, thank you. Bye.